and welcome to another episode of the Jump Music Initiative podcast. Today we have with us Natalie Frakes. Um, and yeah, so Natalie uh, is an experienced violinist, performer, educator. She has experience playing a wide range of musical genres and performing with so many talented artists. But I'm going to pass it off to you, actually, Natalie, to tell us a little bit more about um, your musical upbringing, how you got into the industry, and maybe just what your role is now. Awesome. Thank you, Maddie, for the beautiful intro. And um, thank you to you and uh, Jory for having me here today. Um, love the work you guys do. Um, as you said, uh, my name is Natalie Frakes. I'm a violinist, a music educator, activist, and a mindfulness practitioner. And um, I am from Detroit. I grew up, um, had the opportunity and privilege to learn how to play the violin um, at a very young age. I started when I was four, uh, learned the Suzuki method, and so grew up playing classical music. But through my entire life, I was exposed to so many different genres of music and really got into it. I, was, I played in some bands when I was in high school. Um, was even just like, you know, messing around and recording myself with uh, with my phone, like my first cell phone. I remember how awful those were, but like, you know, messing around with that. Um, and, and then, you know, once I got to college, um, I really, I was finding I wasn't like necessarily fitting into the classical music world as much. I love classical music, you know, obviously um, I grew up with that and I just, um, I don't know, like I was finding myself vibing more with the the jazz kids, the jazz kids and, um, and like, I don't know, totally just like ended up hanging out with some of them, jammed and got into this really rich and diverse um, culturally and musical, um, musically uh, scene in Detroit um, and I think like the fact that I hung out with those people and was cool with those people um, was just genuine in myself was the reason why I it is the reason why I am the musician I am today. Um, I've had uh, so many great opportunities working with some of the best musicians in Detroit, uh, jazz and classical. And um, and I really, truly believe that that's the reason why I've like had so many cool opportunities come my way to work with awesome artists. So um, I don't know, I've, I've just, it's been a wild ride, uh, music career. And I think that almost every musician um, can say that is like it you never you never expect uh, it becomes what you don't expect I think like it's like oh whoa this happened that's crazy and it's like you know it's the good and the bad but um, I've been really fortunate to have some really awesome things come my way so I'm like super grateful to the universe for allowing that to happen so yeah <laughs> cool yeah um, and I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your collaborations so when adding strings to maybe another player's music or um, working with other performers, what does that process look like and how do you go about finding those collaborations? Um, honestly, uh, I go to some of my my closest musical friends. Um, I think that's that's who that's who I get in touch with. Number one, it's like like who who have I worked with that I uh, 
that I vibe with on a musical level and a personal level. Um, again, there's a really rich music scene in Detroit, and I've become really close and um, have been able to s uh, support those musicians. So it's like, okay, go to that person. I know that this person's really good in this genre. Hit them up. Okay, hey, like, you know, there's there's a um, there's so somebody who wants uh, such and such a thing for this project. Can you help me with that? If they're not available, then um, again, Musicians are so versatile, and I think that we've all like had to find that out during this unique time. Um, it's like we have to be versatile. So, um, like trusting that people have the versatility is also something that has been really interesting to find out. Like, oh wow, like this this person is really really awesome at working and creating jazz charts, but they're really really good at writing string arrangements too like like they can really come up with an amazing string background uh like backup arrangement for a cover of uh lift every voice and sing um and i'm specifically talking about my friend deshaun jones who was actually you guys <laughs> interviewed and he he's yeah. one of the people that surprises me a lot um he's phenomenal phenomenal at arranging and he's like he and I have teamed up and have come come up with some awesome string charts and like I'm super grateful for him because he just has an insane ear like he can he can just you know like in his head like he'll just rearrange a chord to make it just sound so dope and it's like it's the coolest thing in the whole world so he's you know when you're when you're talking about like choosing people it's like like have the faith to like to like know that people are so versatile and like they do have this amazing talent within them and just like ride with it. And and I think that's what we've done. Like Deshaun and I have known each other for a long time. Um, and, and it's just like, this is just starting to happen. Like we just started it like last year and it's crazy cool. And we're, we have a lot of stuff coming up. So I'm really excited. That's exciting. I'm really excited to hear that. That's very, very cool. I can't wait to hear that. Hopefully it's, you awesome. know something that we can check out very soon definitely natalie would you do me a favor i kind of have a two-part question but they i think that they go hand in hand could you speak for a minute on how classical musicians can break some of the rigidity um that they experience within their own musical journey just how to how to break some of those walls down and that and and maybe you can speak as to some not specifically, but just generally about some of the terminology and how it's different and maybe what classical players need to understand about jazz theory and how they can adapt their knowledge to that different genre. Even though it's the same thing, I know that there are different names for some things, but how does one um, break out of that and then start to collaborate in that fashion? Honestly, um, yeah, that's, again, that's, uh, love that question. Um, so. As a classical musician, I think the most important thing to carry over into other worlds, into other genres, is the discipline that we have as classical musicians. I would I would say don't give that up. If you're a classical musician, do not give up the attitude of, uh, of the discipline, because discipline is necessary for any genre that you work in. A jazz musician is disciplined. A, um, you know, if you're an opera singer, if you are a rapper or you're, you know, a producer, whatever you do, 
like the discipline is necessary and I think that's one thing that I learned from classical music it was like Natalie you have to play it this way and like you in order for you to play it this way you need to practice every single day that you eat so if you don't eat on a day then that's the only day I cannot practice but so that's discipline is not the same as rigidity and I like the way I love that you use that word because that is an attitude that classical musicians often have. It's a rigidity. We do not have to stay within these fine lines. We do not have to stay within this box that is put forth in front of us. And um, again, that is different from the discipline part. Like I do believe that you can take that discipline and transfer it over and carry it into a, a, jazz, uh, a jazz jam. We can, take, um, we can take that discipline and apply all the years of work that we've put into technique and scales um, and all of that, the Bach, you know, memorization and using our musical skills to, um, sorry, give me one second, to really, really allow ourselves to be free from, from the box that classical music puts us in. Is that so, more of a mental game? I mean, obviously, it is a mental game, but and I was about to say, I think it's an attitude. I think it's a, I think it's a, an attitude, and I, I would even go so far as to say it's a personality, like that you, that some people might have to like kind of take on. Um, I, I have a lot of friends who are really amazing classical musicians, but um, don't work well in a, in an atmosphere that might need flexibility. For instance, like when you're composing a piece or you're writing music, like you don't necessarily know where anything's going, but sometimes people need that rigidity to like keep themselves centered. So that's why classical music is good for, is really great for some people because the, it's right there in front of you and it's always gonna be right there in front of you and you can interpret it in the way that you want it to be interpreted. Now, when it's not in front of you, you have to have the, you have to have the wherewithal to like, um, you know, to take the knowledge that you have from these other, from your classical training and like apply it to that situation. And I think, I think that takes um, people that you trust, people that are going to be understanding that you're coming from a different background. And I was very fortunate to have that in college. I was like, again, hanging out with people that were really, that were my friends and they were like, oh, it's okay. Nat's just kind of getting into this. So like, let's just be patient. And it, it takes a lot of patience. And I, I wish that I had started it earlier because if we started at, you know, if you started at a level when you're younger, then that, especially with classical, young classical musicians, then you can really like nurture something that's there and that they may not have known that was there. Yeah, and, and that combined with the discipline that they ha already have, you know, could be be a real formula for success. How can young classical musicians start to improvise? Where should they start? How, how can they go about uh, breaking that or, or, or getting comfortable doing it? I think the coolest thing that they could do is take a piece of classical music and put that piece on. We have so much technology available to us. So like find a recording of it on YouTube, start playing along to it, but like add an obligato part on on top of what's already happening. Play along with the recording and use your classical ear to play on top of something that already exists, but you're creating as we're go you're going along. So like say for instance, it's, I don't know, like you play cello, you're playing one of the Bach cello suites and like you know what key you're in, 
you know what it sounds like, you've memorized it, play over top of it and like add an accompaniment part. That's improvising. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, and, and I would even go so far as this is something I do with my students. I have them do that, but I also have them play a drone. So just like have one note going and don't have, have nothing around you. Like, you know, t- take yourself away from like, even, even take yourself away from what you listened to earlier in the day or the day before. And just, you know, take that drone, maybe it's a C, it's a C drone and play, uh, you can take any C scale, any C scale, C pentatonic scale, C major, C minor, whatever it may be, and create your own patterns. It could be some, I have my viola right here. So like maybe, maybe it's literally just playing an open C string in a certain, with certain textures or something. You know, like experimentation is key, I think, to straying away from that rigidity that we're talking about. So like, it could be like, I don't know, just like start playing something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, it's really taking music back to its simplest form. And I think, um, I think classical musicians will find that refreshing because oftentimes we're like challenged with, oh my gosh, we, I have to practice this excerpt of uh, Don Juan, which is like one of the hardest (laughs) excerpts in classical music, but like, I got to make sure it's perfect and get it, do it over and over and over again and make sure it's perfect with the freedom of playing and improvising and playing over a drone, something so simple, like you don't have to worry about any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's great advice. Good yeah. place to start for sure. Especially with that drone, because it, it takes up some of the space and, and, and you know, you're not so naked with it. <laughs> have either of you worked with classical musicians um, in, in a setting where you're, you know, maybe you're like, you know, uh, writing a song or, or even in a rehearsal on a casual, you know, in a casual setting, either of you. I have. I'm- yeah. But not, not a ton. Um, back in university, I did. Um, and there was some, some crossover there and then, uh, a, a few ensemble things here and there, but, but really I haven't had that much, uh, interaction in the last few years with classical musicians. But, did you, you know. did you at all like feel intimidated by having them in there or was it like because because it's like coming from this like you know like uh, like a highbrow like you know type of i mean to a degree and i think that the one thing that musicians are intimidated by classical musicians uh is that discipline that you were talking about and the fact that they know their instruments so well and that you know that they've just poured hours into it because by the very nature of the music that's what has to happen so, um, I mean, I wasn't intimidated per se. I was, you know, I was in school and I, my attitude was fresh and open. Um, I, you know, maybe a little bit different for an older musician with, with no experience in that. But I think that, I think that's always kind of in the back of other musicians' mind is that discipline, because you know that these people are so proficient on their instrument. And, and then it's a matter of finding the common ground in the, in the artistry of the different genres. Absolutely. Awesome. What about you, Maddie? Um, I haven't had um, a whole ton of experience playing with um, classical musicians, but I would say, yeah, it can be intimidating, I think, but um, I'm excited to maybe have those opportunities to be able to work with plenty of different musicians from different experience levels. 
some of your um, music would like lend itself really well to like having some like tasty string lines behind it, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> like a yeah. or something, but um, just cause you know, when it's like a singer songwriter, um, I just, I, I always imagine like it's, it's very cool to have strings behind it. Um, and I don't know if either of you have had the chance to listen to um, one of them. Do you, have you guys heard of Madison Cunningham? Yes. No. Absolutely. Maddie, she she does that really well. So she she has, you know, again, like the traditional, like she's a gorgeous voice, plays guitar, but she'll play piano sometimes and like but but when she adds the strings, like these awesome arrangement with these strings, it's like, oh my gosh, it just adds that much more depth to her, her music. And um yeah, it's and that's something that Deshaun and I are really diving into. It's like let's you know let's expand, let's expand. Like Deshaun doesn't just work in jazz. You know he can he can totally write a really dope chart for um, for like a country blues thing. Like we're you know something like that. So we'll see. <laughs> but I'm just curious because you know kind of talking on that point of classical musicians it's like yeah like some I, I just sometimes I just feel like it's an attitude it's a vibe it's something that you can't necessarily explain and it's um, it's really interesting because there are there are plenty of classical musicians that that are very chill and don't fit into that but it's 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 interest it's just weird because classical music is surrounded by so many um, rules and I think that those that a lot of musicians, classical musicians, like apply those rules to their outside life as well. Like it's really oh. weird. Um, I was just thinking about that. As soon as you asked that, I was like, I was just thinking about that the other day. And um, yeah, it's. I think it's just like let's take down these walls and like just be yourself. Like you can be, you can be yourself in the concert hall. There's nobody there telling you that you can't. You know. And I think that you get that you get that vibe in a jazz jam in in a recording studio um when you're creating you're just like you know laying down some tracks but like maybe not necessarily in the concert hall i don't know who are some string players that you look up to Woo! um okay classical hillary Hahn is my go-to because she um i've just since I was a little girl, like I had my my private teacher actually gave me a CD of hers for my birthday, and she's just phenomenal, um, almost alien like because she's so perfect. Like everything that she plays is in, is just absolutely perfectly in tune, and I'm just like I don't know how you can do that. It's just, <laughs> but um, yeah, Hilary Hahn is my favorite classical. Um, I. It's hard to say for jazz. Um, I was kind of getting into um, Stefan Grappelli a little bit because he's like, he's like the father of gypsy jazz violin, which is something that's really fun to play. And I don't, um, I haven't like really gotten into it, but I had kind of practiced a little bit and was playing um, with a gypsy jazz guitarist for and just jamming and it was super fun. Um, and like we did, I, I wonder if we have a recording of it, but it was like a cover of um, If I Ain't Got You by Alicia Keys, but we did it like in a gypsy jazz style. It was kind of dope. Oh. But, um, 
I don't I wouldn't say he's my favorite and that's really hard to answer because but I will say Hillary and then um Regina Carter is one of my favorites she's fantastic Detroit born and raised went to Juilliard dropped out or not didn't drop out she got a degree in like in jazz studies she was going down for violin performance and was like you know what I don't like this I don't like your vibe but so I'm gonna I'm gonna play violin and I'm gonna get jazz studies degree and be a in like she's one of the most famous jazz violinists and amazing oh very cool thank you um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about um, what is your goal um, when you go into a situation where you're an educator and maybe what is your favorite thing about working with youth, working with youth ensembles or orchestras? Working with the youth helps keep me updated and on top of things, on top of the game, because they are always attuned, especially now more than ever, because so much information is floating around. But they, um, yeah, they just keep me up to date on everything and are so un um unfaltered in what they believe in and it's awesome because um they they know kids now more today than ever in my entire life i've noticed like know what they believe in and that's cool like i that helps me with my teaching i think especially when it comes to music like i've been trying to incorporate um like social activism within music and we know we all here know that music has been used for activism for years and years and years um and getting students to understand that and to participate in creating music that way and like having um having an issue in mind and like thinking about like what are solutions and how we can fix this through our music is one of the most exciting things and i wish um i could sh you know share with you an example or like show you but it's it's really an experience you have to feel like in the classroom um and i yeah i'm just i'm just in awe of them all the time because they again they teach me so much and and really it's been interesting getting them to step out of that classical box that we were talking about because so many of them have had teachers that have been like this is the right way this is your way you have to do it do it this way do what i tell you and so many of them are like they're asking me questions because i'm not giving instructions that are like that like i'm not telling them exactly what to do so then they freak out and they're like ah miss frakes is telling miss frakes is only giving us this one thing and i don't know what to play so like I do that that drone thing and I'm like, okay, we're playing a D drone here. You play any note on a D major scale and they're like, ah, help. It's so it's like it's really interesting to see that because it's like, wow, we're teaching our students to like, you know, not have that like ability to like express themselves or like explore and experiment, but there there's my job, right? I have to teach them that. So that's really, really cool and exciting to me, I think. Well said. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask you one more thing. So you work with tons of big artists, like you mentioned before, Josh Groban, Michael Buble. So how do you prepare for a performance? Um, obviously, before COVID times, but how would you go about preparing for a performance like that, where you're working in maybe a more high stakes situation or with bigger artists? How do you what does the mental process look like? How do you deal with nerves, especially? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that was one thing that I had to learn because uh, I think it's so different playing, you know, it's so different playing like a Bach in front of in a recital hall in front of people that are just coming to see you on a Friday. Um, 
you're you're literally sitting in front of thousands and thousands of people and you're mic'd up and people are listening to you and they've paid good money to be there and you're playing with michael buble like everything better be perfect he knows what's up um well first of all with the nerves i make sure that um there's there's a good crew playing that's number one is like are the people that are going to be there going to be awesome are they going to be able to read the music down and sound great and look good too you have to you know you have to present yourself on stage um in that setting um being being myself is how i is how i just like put that up you know don't don't be anybody else don't try to put up a front because you're playing with this big name artist like just be you this is another normal day <laughs> it's not like it's not like you're president of the united states right now okay like it's this is what you do and this is an opportunity that's come your way that's like really big but just be you and that's i think that's number one to remember number two is remember that you can play <laughs> Um, you've you've practiced your butt off. You you have these skills. Don't um, like just just do what you would do in any other situation, any other musical situation. And of course, practice. Look through, listen to the music over and over again is what I would do. I put if I'm playing a, a buble concert, I make a playlist of all the songs that we're gonna go through, and I play it in my car while driving around. I play it while I'm cooking just really casually so that it's in your ear. Maybe you're not necessarily like consciously listening to it, like sitting down and like mindfully listening to it, which you should also do, but having it just present. And we all, cause we all know like when background music's going, like that we hear that subconsciously. So preparing in that way has been helpful to me. And, um, and then of course, you know, reading down the music and making sure that everything's in line. Um, and when you're on stage, um, it's really cool because you have the rehearsal before you guys do the, sh we, or before you do the show. And um, <clears throat> I found that that really helps with the nerves because you're on the stage, everything is, is as it's supposed to be during the show and you get to meet the artist and like see how cool of a person they are um, and see how talented they are. And you're like, okay, they have their stuff together. We're gonna have our stuff together. And, and then just trusting that the orchestra is gonna sound great and that you know, you're gonna do the job that you've been set out to do, that's all. And it's really as simple as that. It's like, just, just treat it like you would like playing in front of your private teacher at your lesson on a Saturday, <laughs> you know, same thing. Good advice. Um, we asked this of all of our guests, Desert Island albums. If you could give us like five of your top, like your favorite albums, uh, just ones that are absolutely essential. Um, just, yeah, what should people listen to? Um, so number one, I would say is that Madison Cunningham album and let me just double check what it is called I'm drawing a blank ah I have it I have it up right here one second you guys um I would oh I would also say so that Madison Cunningham album so I'll, I'll come back to that okay. but I would say um Oh my gosh. 
This was hard last time. I feel like I was... <laughs> It is a hard question. And, and certainly, like, you know, you just doesn't have to be like a certain number, just whatever comes to mind. Right. Um, it was like, um, so the Bad Plus album, um, actually, I didn't, I think the one that's called, uh, that's got Flim on it, the first one that made them famous, basically. These are the Vistas. That's an awesome one. I would listen to that over and over again. So I can like, I think my plan for this is to like choose one from each genre, like for my different okay. vibes. Right? So like, he, these are the Vistas for the for the jazz one. And oh, Cannonball, Adderley, and Nancy Wilson. That was a re- that's a really amazing album. The Cannonball, Adderley, and Nancy Wilson. Don't know what the album's called, but it's the two of them together. It's fantastic. Um, and then uh hotter than july stevie wonder awesome for that vibe and then um the the madison cunningham one is called who are you now it's a beautiful album it's like acoustic guitar sometimes she does her has her electric and she's just like rocking out on it it's so cool and then honestly, it's for like a throwback. Um, I don't know, like White Album by the Beatles or something. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think that would be cool. Yeah, because that's just such a classic one, right? That's a good list. That's a varied list. Yes. And so like, if I were on an island, I'd be like, okay, I'm feeling <laughs> this type of way today. So. <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> Um, and then the last thing we like to ask our guests is just if they, you gave so much great advice, um, amazing. If there's like one or two things that you want to leave off with our audience or the younger generation of musicians. Everybody just be yourself. Um, you know, they're, the hardest thing nowadays is that like there's so many things coming at us in so many different directions, social media, like clubhouse is a thing now and like you know like we have uh tiktok it's just like telling us what to do like you should do this to be cool oh this oh i saw this video and that looks cool be yourself that is being yourself and being authentic is the coolest thing in the whole world and when you you can tell when somebody is comfortable with being themselves and when they um i I don't want to say they don't care because you can care and be yourself but don't care about what other people perceive about you and don't change yourself to be uh to fit into somebody else's box um that's what i would say number one that is always number one for any situation i don't care if you're a musician or not so yeah be yourself and just do you wonderful advice yeah thank you so much natalie we really appreciate your time thank you for for i we know you got lots going on thanks for taking the time to talk to us natalie we sure appreciate it no, thank you for having me. And um, I'm really excited to be on this and just excited about the series that you guys have going on. So thank you. It's great to meet you. Will you let us know that uh, will you let us know when that project with Deshaun comes out? Yes. So actually, you could hear his string arrangements with um, uh, we did a show with Alexis Lombre. She's an amazing jazz pianist. So I can actually send that to you right now. It's on YouTube. We were in, in Chicago at, um, cool. I'd love to check that out. Collective. Yeah. So 
I'll put that up here. Wonderful. I'll definitely include that in the description below the video for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Here. Um, sorry. What else have you guys got going on today? That's it. Just chilling. This is the last show for today, and then we get a little bit of a break, and and uh, yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Oh, there you are. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Um, I'll see you. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe well, next time on, on your side of the town. <laughs> if you ever, yeah, if you ever need anything up here, you let us know. But we'll we'll keep in touch. Okay. Awesome, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Natalie. Bye. Bye.